0: Well, praise the Lord. Uh, You think the Maskey's was a good investment? Huh? Just just out of curiosity, was anybody here, anybody in the auditorium that was here when Brother Maskey first presented his work? Raise your hand if anybody's here. If somebody's here, amen. Praise the Lord. He came here 28 years ago, and everything he told you he was going to do was future. He hadn't done it yet. He said this is what we plan on doing yeah. amen yeah. and god brought his plan to fruition it's an honor to be in your presence sir and you know what i'm looking forward for when the morgans come back on furlough <laughs> and come back to shawnee baptist and show their pictures and their slides and give their testimony of japanese coming to know the lord jesus christ one of the things that has impressed me most a lot about this church is of course the faces that have been so faithful every service there are many, many faces in this auditorium. The busyness of this place. There's a lot of activity going on all the time. And people know what they're doing. They're not just running around. And uh, what's imp- one of the things that impressed me, Pastor, is your staff. Your school staff and church staff. Uh, I believe this church is, should I get invited back, I'm looking forward to see what God is going to do with this church in the next few years. I truly believe great things are going to happen. God has knit our hearts together and I'm so glad that I can say that Shawnee Baptist Church is part of my missions family and a supporter. These are the type of churches, help me missionaries, that we want to say support us, that hold the ropes for us. I don't want to be negative about any ministry, but a lot of churches have changed in philosophy and ministry. And so these are the types of churches that we want in our missions family to know. It's a great confidence to me in the Maskeys, and I'm sure the Morgans and uh, the, uh, others who uh, are part of this mission family to know that Shawnee Baptist Church is, is their supporter. And so I'm thankful to be here. It's about a dream, isn't it? Help me. Somebody had a dream and a vision for this place. And um, I'm sure there was a, a a little boy called Steve Frost who had a dream serving the Lord in a full-time capacity. He didn't know it would be shawnee baptist church but god arranged those things doesn't he, he orchestrates those things it always amazes me about how god sees things and we don't always see it the way he sees it uh, but he sees and he has a plan for each and every one of us i think our dur- churches are filled preacher sad to say with those who may have had a dream but their dreams got broken And maybe they're sitting in our midst today, those with broken dreams, what they plan to do for life or what they plan to do for ministry. And tonight I want to preach to you on the subject of dreams. If the message was to have a title, it would be the dream of a mission to reach the world with the gospel, the dream of a mission. Missionaries are dreamers. They dream about going to a foreign land, and it's not easy to live in a foreign land. No matter how how hard you try to adapt to a culture, and I've been there, I know, you're always looked upon as a stranger. For those who even learn the language and try to be uh, uh, as much like the indigenous peoples around you without compromising your convictions, you're still always a stranger. Many times I'll say to my gypsy people when we're walking down the streets in Romania, say, why do they look at me like that? And they'll say, preacher, they know you're a stranger. But we go because we have a dream, a vision that God shared with us. And I want to talk to you about the dream of a mission to reach the world with the gospel. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, familiar portion of scripture. Most especially young people know these stories, and you know these stories. You learned them in Sunday school about Joseph the dreamer. I want to begin with the fifth verse. I want to see some thoughts and talk about dreams. I think you've noticed that uh, I, I love the study of the Word of God. I've confessed this to some people. Maybe I've said it from the pulpit since I've been here, but I'm a very poor administrator, very poor. Matter of fact, it's very taxing on me. It takes me a long time to write a letter. It takes me a long time to put a, 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 a graphic design together. Takes, I'm a poor administrator. It's very taxing. But put me behind a computer, give me a Bible, and I'll put a message together. I love the study of the Word of God. And I love to just park at passages of Scripture. I've parked at this passage of Scripture many times. And I want to share some thoughts with you that I believe the Holy Spirit has revealed to me and I want to reveal them to, the, to you. Genesis chapter 37, we begin at verse 5. Would you stand in reverence of God's word, please? Genesis chapter 37, beginning at the fifth verse. We'll read down to the 11th verse. I'll read a lot as you follow in silence this evening. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shall thou indeed reign over us, or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words." And he dreamed yet another dream and told his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and, and thy brethren indeed come to bow down thysel- ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless father in heaven it has been just a wonderful several days Lord and I'm so thankful that I was allowed to participate in this conference thank you for brother Frost pastor Frost inviting me to be the speaker I pray Lord that through your word and by the blessed Holy Spirit that we've made an impact into the lives of those who've been here thank you for the missionaries and their presentations and their reports It's such a breath of fresh air, Lord, to see missionaries who are doing what they said they were going to do, and then some. And so, Father, we ask as we come to this last service of the mission conference, we pray once again that you would meet with us in a mighty way. We pray, Lord, that you would take control of everything that's said. Help me to say everything I should say and leave unsaid what ought not to be said. And once again, hide me behind the cross. Satisfied needs in this room, I'm specifically thinking about those who are brokenhearted, who their dreams have just fallen apart, Lord, that once again you would give them a vision that they could serve you and glorify you. Blessed Father, we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. When I speak of dreams, I'm talking about the hopes, the goals, the aspirations and visions of one's innermost desires. We missionaries are privileged because we get to stand up here and tell you what's in our heart. Jesus said, out oh, of the abundance of the heart, man speaks. You get around the banker, he talks about money. You get around the, alcohol, the alcoholic, he talks about his booze. You get around the missionary, he talks about souls and Jesus. It comes out. It's in our heart. In our story, Jesus, uh, Joseph is the dreamer. But we know that Joseph is more than just a dreamer. He's a prophet. He's a type of Christ. We know that he, like Christ, was rejected by his brethren. He's falsely accused. He's delivered to prison. And he's left for dead. And he became the savior of his known world. Don't lose your place in Genesis 37. Flip a few pages over to the 50th chapter. And when we get to the end of the chapter and we see Joseph revealing himself to his brethren, I want you to look at the 20th verse. He said unto them, But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass it is this day to save much people alive. So as a type of Christ, Joseph was a savior to his known world. Had it not been for Joseph, the world would have starved. Webster defines a dream like this, a strongly desired goal or purpose I was with a mission agency out of Jackson, Jacksonville, Florida, for 25 years. It was called. It is called Baptist Missions to Forgotten Peoples. The founder and president was my mentor and my hero, all wrapped up into one, my cheerleader too, Dr. Garland Powell. And Dr. Garland Powell, uh, when the board was started in 1980, had an had an innovative mind. He was. His mission was about reaching pocket peoples all over the world. Matter of fact, our mission board has followed the vision of Dr. Garland Powell. He felt that there were pockets of people that needed to be reached with the gospel and on our way to major mission fields of the world, we bypassed these pockets of people. He put those pockets into three categories. There were ethnic pockets. When we think about ethnic groups in our community, right here we think about the Burmese and we think about the largest, second largest Hungarian population in the world, Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm all for going to Hungary. And I'm all going for, uh, for going to Burma. But let's reach them here, too. Man. And then he put a pocket of people that he called the, uh, the more or less the professional pockets. And that would be mi- military. Baptist Missions to Forgotten Peoples uh, is strong on reaching American military. And then he had what he called social pockets of people. Those were street people, drug addicts the disposable, so-called disposable peoples of the world. And Dr. Garland Powell's dream was realized in reaching those three pockets of people. We know the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King for his people. He is quoted as saying, I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Little did Dr. King really dream that one day they were to be an African-American president. There's the dream of Walter Stevens in reaching his own people with the gospel. I go around making sure that people know that there's an ethnic group called the Roma people. You will not reach out to a people group that you don't believe exists. Doesn't make any sense. And so part of my ministry is education. Telling people that there's a group of people that have been unreached with the gospel. I, I'm no Apostle Paul by any means, but I liken my vision to my own people like the Apostle Paul. Don't lose your place in Genesis, but go to Romans chapter one, uh, chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, very quickly. We see the heart and passion of a missionary uh, par excellence in the person of uh, the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 9, in verse 1, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness In the Holy Ghost. The first time I read verse one, I thought to myself, wow, what an unusual uh, group of phrases. This is the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, the church planting Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul who got his call and vision on the Damascus Road. Would we ever think that the Apostle Paul would lie to us? And yet he says here, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. He has two witnesses that he's not lying, his own conscience and the the person of the Holy Spirit. Why would the Apostle Paul have to say to us in verse 1 that he's not lying? Because he's about to say something that's unbelievable. Many times I run to my wife and I say, Simone, Simone, I got something to tell you. It's really, really important. She said, oh, Walter, you always got something important to say. I said, no, no, Simone, really, this is unbelievable. And when I say it's unbelievable, she starts to listen up. That's what Paul is doing here. He's about to make an unbelievable statement. He's about to share with us through these passages of Scripture his burden for his own Jewish people. Look at verse 2. That I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Now there's a word before heaviness, it's great. There's a word before sorrow, it's continual. Now I know we carry burdens, we carry heartaches. Many of you in this room, I dare not run a list because I might miss yours. But Paul's heaviness is great. Paul's sorrow is continual. He carries this burden. He carries this sorrow continually. It's great. It's heavy. It's upon him all the time. And that's the way a missionary should be, by the way. And the missionary said, thank you. And we see in verse 3 that heaviness. We see in verse 3 that burden, that heartache, that continual sorrow, that great heaviness. Watch what he says in verse 3. For I could wish that myself, were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. The Apostle Paul is revealing to us in Scripture by the Holy Spirit, he's saying an unbelievable statement. What is the Apostle Paul saying? That he would be willing to spend an eternity in hell to see his Jewish people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we know that most of his ministry was to the Gentiles. But he still had a burden for his own people. And you say, well, preacher, didn't the apostle Paul believe in one saved, always saved? Of course he believed in one saved, always saved. Then what is he saying? He's, he's not saying that he would, if he could, he would. He would give up his eternity with Jesus to reach his own people. He had a great burden for his people. Now, I must confess to you tonight that I have not graduated to this level of missionary. But I have a burden for my people, and we all should have a burden for our people. Maybe if we had a greater burden for America, we wouldn't be in the condition we're in today. Because there was a dream once called America. And don't doubt anyone, doubt my patriotism. I love this nation. It's the greatest nation in all the world. In all its imperfection, it doesn't get any better than the US of A. And I've been around the block a couple times. But we're in trouble. Help me, church. There was a dream once called America. It's written in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, watch now, and the pursuit of happiness. The writers of the Declaration of Independence didn't put just happiness, they put the pursuit of happiness in there. That means that we can have the privilege and the right to pursue happiness. It's not guaranteed. But we've seen the American dream turn into the American nightmare. The dream that I'm talking about this evening, though, is the dream of God himself. It is the vision and the hope of reaching the world with the gospel. It's worldwide evangelism. It's not just local, though it is. It's global. And I believe that every church and every Christian and every leader should have a global vision because of the great commission of our Savior, who said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But sometimes we have this mentality, us four and no more. And we coast. I'm afraid there's no coasting. You're either going forward or you're going backward. God is the source of the dream, of the salvation of mankind. Christ finished His redemptive work of the cross so that dream can be fulfilled. Our Savior said from the cross, it is finished. Everything's in place. Nothing can be added. Nothing needs to be added. We have everything that He has placed us in the church to be facilitators of His dream, His hope and His vision of reaching the lost. But, according to our text verses, there are a variety of responses to the dream by the members of the body of Christ. And I want to discuss tonight a few of those possible responses to look at our text and the story of Joseph the dreamer and see where you fit in. Number one, there's the dream caster. Verse 5 says, and Joseph dreamed a dream. Joseph dreamed a dream of something that was going to happen in the future. That's why the dream was revealed to him. It was a dream that was revealed to him by God to save mankind. That's what the 20th verse of chapter 50 says. To save much people alive. If it wasn't for this dream, most of the world of Joseph's time would have perished. Now we know that Joseph's dream didn't come to fruition right away, did it? Help me, church. He went through a lot, but he never lost the vision. He never lost the dream. It was a burning dream. It was a burning passion. Listen, when God puts a dream in your heart and mind, when God instills something with you to do something for him, Christian, never quit. Never quit until your dream comes true. And the Maskies went to Nigeria with a dream. And what you see, I'm sure this didn't happen all by itself. It took some work. Took a missionary family on their knees, I'm sure many tears blood sweat and tears joseph is the dream caster in our story and later in the life of joseph pharaoh becomes a dream caster Today in the church, it's local church leadership who cast the dream of missions and worldwide evangelism. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Thank God that there are visionaries. Thank God they can see further than we can see. Thank God for those who think that we can go into the regions beyond because God called us there. And if he called us there, then we can get there. The purpose of the revelation of the dreams then, in Joseph's day and now, is always the same. To save As it was in Joseph to save much people alive, the dream is always for the benefit of others to save people. Genesis 45, 7 says, And God sent me, Joseph said, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. The dream of missions has been cast this week. Help me, please. We've seen the presentations. We've heard the testimonies. I'm obligated. I'm obligated to the Morgans. What my eye has seen has affected my heart. I see these precious children and this precious family, and I'm obligated. What am I obligated? I'm obligated to pray for them. I'm obligated to bring them before the Lord and say, God, bless the Morgans as they head off into the mission. field. Number one, there's the dream caster. But then it goes without saying, if there's a dream caster, then there needs to be a dream catcher. Someone needs to catch the dream. In our story, if you're familiar with the story, the first one who caught the dream was the butler who was in prison with Joseph. Usually the dream is caught by one person, then others catch it. And then eventually it was Pharaoh, all of Egypt, and then the world. Because dream casters can be dream catchers too. Lastly, it was even the family of Joseph. Dr. Roy Thompson went to Cleveland over 50 years ago. I won't mention the church that he was sent out of, and I won't mention his pastor's name. Brother Williams would know who it is. Most of you in this room, even though I mentioned his name, you'd know it it is. But his pastor told him, Dr. Williams, that a church in Cleveland, Ohio, wouldn't work. And Doc Thompson went there. And they met in an old movie theater. And there was one family that came. It was the Folger family. And Doc Thompson started the Cleveland Baptist Church and. There was a little boy in the Folger family named Kevin Folger. And as Doc Thompson cast the dream, little Kevin caught it. And then he became the pastor of the Cleveland Baptist Church. And Kevin Folger had a son named Pete Folger. And Pete Folger caught the vision. And now he's the current pastor of the Cleveland Baptist Church, which is my home in Sending Church. There's the dream of Walter Stevens. When God gave me the dream of reaching my own people, I was content to be the second man of the Crossroad Baptist Church of New Carlisle, Ohio, the rest of my life. I had told God so. I had no aspirations of becoming a pastor. I had no aspirations of becoming an evangelist or even a missionary. My pastor and I had a perfect working relationship. He would say jump and I would say how high. But nightly my wife and I would pray for the gypsies of the world. We'd pray and say, God, send someone to the gypsies of Chicago and New York and Los Angeles and Dallas and San Francisco and all the major cities of the world. And then we began to pray for other countries. God, send someone to Romania and Hungary and Bulgaria and Croatia and the Ukraine. Send someone, God. For we knew that someone had to be sent. It wasn't long after we were praying that prayer that the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he said, what about you? And I said, oh, not me, Holy Spirit. I'm second man of the Crossroad Baptist Church. Youth department's growing, souls are being saved. And the Holy Spirit whispered back and said, I made you, I molded you to reach your own people. Folks, I'm fourth generation gypsy in this country and didn't lose my language. What happens to most immigrants when they come to America? By the second generation, most definitely by the third generation, they've blended in. But God allowed me to keep my cultural identity to reach my own people with the gospel. There's the dream. And I passed that dream to Lawrence Evans who became the missionary of the Cleveland Baptist Church group of gypsies and I passed it to Nick Ivanovich and my own son Mike Stevens caught it and and on and on those who have caught the dream of working with the gypsy people number one there needs to be a dream caster. Number two it goes without saying if someone casts a dream there needs to be a dream catcher. I wish I didn't have to preach the third point but it's in our story. Sad to say there are dream corruptors. Those who will corrupt the dream of the dreamer. And many have tried to corrupt my dream. My father didn't have a hard time with me becoming a Christian. He took offense when we dropped the fortune-telling sign. As I said before, what the American flag is to you and I, the fortune-telling sign is the average gypsy, it's a symbol of their identity. But my father had a real time, hard time with me answering the call to be a preacher. And I remember it was at my ordination, dad came and I was questioned by these 13 men set up on the platform and there was no center aisle in the church and dad was sitting three rows back right in front of the pulpit. And after the questioning and the uh, ordination council approving me for ordination, my dad stood up and said to my pastor, Pastor Spencer, can I say something? It was out of order. Everybody with fear and trembling. Pastor Spencer said, what what do you want to say, Mr. Stevens? And Dad said, you know what? I wasn't for Walter becoming a preacher. But what I've seen and heard here today, I want the church to know. I want you, preacher, to know. And I want Walter to know that I'm 100% behind him. That's what our nation is all about. There are those who tries to corrupt the dream of the dreamer. In our text, it was Joseph's brothers. They hated the dreamer, and they hated his dreams. Verse 5 says, and Joseph dreamed the dream. He told his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. I believe there are several reasons why there are those who try to corrupt someone's dream. Here's just a short list. Number one, they're jealous of the dreamer. They're jealous of the dreamer because the dream didn't originate with them. Number three, if the dream comes to pass, they won't be able to take any credit or glory for it. Here, help me, church. They have too much pride to humble themselves before the dreamer. It wasn't that Jacob's problem. Look, what did Jacob say in verse eleven, uh, verse ten? And he told his father and his to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said, "What is this dream that thou dream? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren and thee come to bow down ourselves?" Jacob was too prideful to bow before Joseph. How about this one? To fulfill the dream it might cost them something they're not willing to pay or willing to give. Faith promise. Number six, they just don't care. There are those who corrupt the dream and the main culprit of corrupting dreams is none other than Satan himself because he's the thief that cometh not for the steal to kill and destroy. And maybe you're here tonight and your dream has been corrupted. I'm here to proclaim to you to dream on. Dream on and dream big. God wants to use you. It was William Carey who said expect great things from God attempt great things for God. We see the evidence of it in this conference with these missionaries who stepped out and they expected God. Why? They expected God to move. They expected God to keep his promises. He said if he'll go, he'll be with us. He'll never leave us. He said if we preach, we will bear fruit. He said that he will supply all our needs and we see the evidence of it in the lives of the missionaries in this conference. Listen, we can expect things from God because he keeps his word. He keeps his promises. He never fails us. Dream on. Yeah. Dream big. Yeah. Dream of what Shawnee Baptist Church can do in its community. Yeah. Dream of what you can do with your bus ministry, your youth ministry, and on and on and on. Dream big, Shawnee Baptist Church. Yeah. Expect yeah. great things from God. Yeah. Want to know why? Because we have an Ephesians 3.20 God. Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly, yeah. abundantly, yeah above all that we could ask or think. I love those words, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we, I have an exceeding, abundant, above all God. And that's why when I pray, when I ask God for something, I know that He's going to supply it, He's going to surpass whatever I can ask or think. Watch now. And it's according to the power that worketh in us. Do you know what power that is, church? That's Holy Ghost, resurrection, empty tomb power, Dr. Williams. And the charismatics don't have a corner on it if they have it at all. But you know what we independent Baptists are like? We're like the woman who couldn't get her washing machine to work. And so she called the washing machine repairman. He came to the house, and all he had to do was plug it in. Maybe we just need to plug it in. Help me, church. Plug it in. I'm tired of churches just going through the motions, not expecting any results. There's the dream corrupter. And it's sad to say, but the church has dream corruptors too. And that brings me to my last point. First, I said there's the dream caster. Dreams have been cast this week. I think Brother Maskey would like some more missionaries in Nigeria. I think uh, the Morgans would like some people to answer the call to help them in Japan. I think that all those in this conference would like some help. And that brings me to the last point, there needs to be a dream carrier. Dream caster, dream catcher. There are those who corrupt, but there needs to be a dream carrier. You see, the hope of the dreamer and his dreams needs to be carried into the promised land or into the future, if you will. Because the true dreamer dreams on until his last breath. When Joseph the dreamer was dying, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we call that the, the chapter of the hall of fame or the hall of faith. Watch what it says about Joseph. But by faith, Joseph, when he died or as he was dying, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. Now don't forget, Joseph is a prophet. He's making mention of the departing of children of Israel and he gave commandment concerning his bones. What was Joseph saying? Here's what he's saying. You're all going to leave here. In 400 years, you won't be here anymore. You're going to go on to the promised land. You're going to go on to the land promised to you by God. You're going to go back to the inheritance from God. You're going to go back to where you're supposed to be. And don't leave me here. Because my bones is the symbol of the dream. For I am the dreamer, don't leave me here. That's what he's saying in Hebrews chapter 11, or that's what Hebrews chapter 11 is saying. Now, the coffin of Joseph became a symbol of hope to the Jews. I gave you the New Testament version of Joseph making mention of his bone. Let's go to the place that it was first said in Genesis chapter 50. You're there in the book of Genesis anyways. Go there, please, to verses 25 and 26. Genesis chapter 50 Verses 25 and 26. And Joseph took an oath. What does that mean? Joseph took an oath. He made them promise. Help me now, please. Say amen. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. That, this word coffin is the only place in the word of God where it's, it is defined as coffin. Every place else, it's defined as the ark. But in this specific passage, the word coffin means a treasure chest or a hope chest. How many of you remember when we used to put the hope chest together for our daughters? you all remember that? Raise your hand if you, some of you remember and my mother did it for my sisters. I, I mean, uh, Sister Williams, those, those chests were so full, you couldn't get anything else in there. It was, it was quilts and pillows and silverware and dishes and all kinds of stuff for their future life. Watch now. It was a hope chest or a future chest. The coffin of Joseph was a hope chest. It was a treasure chest. What was in that coffin? It was the hope of Israel, the dream of Israel. It was the prophet, the type of Christ who said, don't leave me here, you're going to be delivered. You're going to go back. You're going to go to where you're supposed to be. It was the dreamer dreaming on. You see, the dreamer dreams until his last breath. Someone has to carry on the dream of the dreamer and the hope of God to save the multitudes. Of Joseph's dream of the promised land. Now, when the Bible talks about something one time, it's important, right? How about when he talks about it twice? And so far, we've talked about it twice. Hebrews 11 talks about the bones of Joseph. Genesis 15 is the first time it's, made, it's important. I want you to go with me to the book of Exodus. We're going to see the third time that the bones of Joseph have been mentioned. Don't forget the point. There needs to be a dream carrier. Exodus chapter 13, verse 19. Give me those first five words. Say it out loud. And Moses took the bones... Of Joseph with him. For he had straightly sworn to children, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. Now, Exodus chapter 13, we know what that chapter is all about, don't we? That's the night of the Exodus, that's the night of the Passover. It's a busy night. Ten plagues, death of the firstborn, dying all over the place, except for the Jewish people. It's a busy night. They're getting ready to leave. Moses had a long list of things to do. I doubt if he had a literal list, but he had a mental list. And one of those things on the list was to get the bones of Joseph. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that Joseph lived a completely Egyptian life. Would that be fair? I believe he dressed like an Egyptian. When his brothers first saw him, they couldn't understand him. He still... Through an interpreter, he married an Egyptian woman. I believe he lived an Egyptian life. He, we know he he lived. He married an Egyptian woman. I believe he had an Egyptian burial. And if you know anything about Egyptian burials, they're pretty, pretty uh, out, far out, aren't they? So when Moses is going to get the bones of Joseph, I believe uh, Joseph was buried in a sarcophagus. That ain't no little thing. And in all that he has to do, I mean, they're given the Passover lamb, the death angel's coming, he's passing over, they can't put leaven in the, in the bread, they can't allow it to rise because they're in such a hurry, they've spoiled the Egyptians, they're getting out of there, they're getting ready to go into the promised land, and Moses has to take the bones of Joseph. Do you know how long they carried the bones of Joseph with them? Forty years. Wherever the tabernacle went, Big deal. The bones of Joseph went now. Don't anyone leave this auditorium and say, Boy, Brother Stevens made a big deal about Joseph's bones. It's not about the bones, it's about the dream. Yes. Okay. The bones were the evidence of the dreamer because the dream was never supposed to be forgotten. Let me ask you, church have you forgotten your dream? Have you forgotten the dream that was cast right here decades ago? Have you forgotten what God has called you to do? And you've allowed that dream to die. Resurrect the dream. Dream again. God can use you. God wants to use you. And Joseph, Moses is carrying those bones because Joseph made them promise not to leave him there to go into the promised land. It's Christ's dream and vision of spreading the gospel The dreamer's tomb is clearly marked for future dreamers. We've read three passages of Scripture about the bones of Joseph. There's another passage. I want you to go with me to Joshua chapter 24. Now we know that Moses was a dream caster. And Joshua was a dream catcher. And now Joshua has become the dream carrier. Joshua chapter 24, let me get there, and I want you to look at verse 32, they're getting ready, they're entering the promised land, everything's fulfilled of what God has promised them that he's going to do for them, Joshua chapter 24, look at verse 32, this is the fourth time we're reading about the bones. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of of, of Joseph. The dreamer's tomb is clearly marked for future dreamers. You know what it tells us? Brother Williams, you know what your presence tells me? That I can keep dreaming. His presence here tells me I can keep dreaming. You want to know why? Because he had a dream. Has a dream. That we can continue, we can go on, we can do the job. We can fulfill the Great Commission. We can be fulfilled and satisfied, and God can give us all that we need, and we can live in an abundant life in Christ, and we can reach the lost, and we can reach those in, in Nigeria, and we can reach those in Japan, and we can reach those in Thailand. We can reach gypsies with the gospel. We can do it. We can dream. We can dream of a faith promise that would help us to support more missionaries, and do more, and do more projects, and build more churches, and build, buy more property, and, and buy more laptops for missionaries. That's the dream. But it's going to take a group of dreamers. Not one. But as the dream is cast, there's those who need to catch the dream. Those who need to carry the dream. And those who have corrupted the dream need to fall on their face before God and ask God to forgive them for corrupting somebody's dream. Do you know why we don't see Samuels at the altar anymore? Because we don't have Hannah's and Elkanah's. Help me. There aren't no Samuels without a Hannah, and maybe we need to bring our little Samuels to the altar—moms, dads, grandmas, and grandpas—because they're just as guilty. And say, God, hands off! Children are a heritage of the Lord; the fruit of the womb is your reward. You do what they want, what you want with them. It doesn't mean that they're going to be called into full-time ministry. What it means is you're taking your hands off. And you know, parents would say to me, Brother Stevens, I. I want my kids to be safe. I don't want them to be in some dangerous place like Nigeria or working with those evil gypsies. I want them to be safe. You know where the safest place is for your kids and grandkids? Smack dab in the perfect center of God's will for their life. That's the safest place. Any place out of it, any place on the peripheral, the margins of it is unsafe. Now, I'm not saying that everybody, every man's called to ministry. I'm not saying that. I heard Dr. Charles Keene, First Baptist Church of Milford say this. Not every man is called to ministry, but every man should wrestle with the possibility. Did you all hear that? You know what that means? Every man should wrestle with the possibility. And saying, Lord, here am I. Send me. I've said it already this week. God is not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. And you might say, I I don't have what it takes. I'm just not gifted. I've already given you my testimony. Sixth grade educated, former Carney Catholic gypsy. If God can use me, then he can use anybody. I stand amazed, preacher, of what God allows me to be a part of. And you know who can get the glory for it? Only God. Only God. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29 says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised. God has chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh and glory In his presence, there's no way that Walter Stevens can take any credit for anything that's happened in my ministry for 40 years. It's God and God alone, and he is to be praised, he is to be exalted, and he is to be magnified for it. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. There's a song entitled, When Others See a Shepherd Boy... God may see a king. What category do you fall into? Are you the dream caster? Then you need to share your dream with others. Have you caught the dream? Let someone know it. Have you corrupted somebody's dream, confessed it as sin, and get on board? Do you want to be a dream carrier locally into the foreign field? Dream on and dream big. Some famous people thought they couldn't make it in this life. It is said of Michael Jordan that he was cut from his high school basketball team. Albert Einstein didn't speak until he was four years old, and his teacher said he wouldn't amount to much. Walt Disney was fired from the newspaper where he was working for lacking in imagination and original ideas. I guess they just didn't like that little black-and-white mouse. Dr. Seuss's first book was rejected by 27 publishers. Abraham Lincoln failed in business, had a nervous breakdown, and was defeated in eight elections before he became president of the United States. One day, little Tommy Edison came home with a note from the teacher. The teacher had warned him, Tommy, don't look at this note. Make sure that it gets to your mother, Mrs. Edison. So little Tommy came home and said, Mama, handed her a folded note and said, Mama, the teacher said to give this to you. Mrs. Edison there standing above Tommy opened that note and began to read it and tears began to flow down from her eyes and little Tommy said, Mama, what does the note say? She said, Oh, Tommy, the note says, the teacher says that you're just too smart for that school and they want me to keep you at home and teach you myself. So little Tommy Edison was trained at home by his mama. We all know what Thomas Edison did. And in his senior years, in his 80s, Thomas Edison was cleaning out an old desk. Back in the corner was that folded note. He hadn't seen it. Uh, 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 The last time he saw it was when he gave it to his mama. And uh, Thomas Edison took out the note, opened it, and read it. It didn't say what his mama had told him it said. The note said, Mrs. Edison, your son Thomas is addled, meaning he's not all there. We don't want him in our school. You keep him at home and teach him. Maybe you feel you can't accomplish anything for God. I've got good news for you, church. It's not up to you. It's up to him. If you'll just be the vessel that he can use. Which one are you? Are you the dream caster? Maybe you've caught the dream. Maybe you've caught the dream for Nigeria, for Japan, for Thailand. Maybe the presentations... As Jeremiah says, what my eye has seen has affected my heart. Maybe your heart's been affected. You'd say, I'd like to be a part of what's going on in Nigeria. I'd like to be a part of what the Morgans are going to do in Japan. I'd like to be a part of what you're doing, Brother Stevens. What the God, what God would give me an army of preachers. An army of preachers to reach my 40 million gypsy all over the world. Missionaries are tired. They need replacements. They need dream carriers. Someone who carry on the hope of the dream and the dreamer to carry the dream into the future and into the promised land. Moms and dads, maybe you'll bring your kids to the altar tonight and say, God, my hands are off. Do what you want. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed.